Good morning, church. <laughs> this past week, <clears throat> I was, uh, I'm going to go back and get my water because I made that mistake first service. <clears throat> this past week, I got a text from Adeline. We often text each other during the daytime, and and uh, her text read, "You." You're going to officially say that you have started your Christmas shopping. <laughs> you just bought your first Christmas gift for me. <laughs> so I texted her back and I said, great, when will I be done? <laughs> so when I, when I got home later in that day, <clears throat> I just asked her, I said, so are you going to like what I bought for you? And she said, yes, a lot. <laughs> she said, it's in the bag, hide it in your regular spot. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I know, we're really, we are sentimentalists when it comes to gift giving. I remember a couple of years ago, a number of years ago, uh, one of us had bought a gift uh, for, for a Christmas present, and uh, Christmas Day came and went, and neither of us remembered the gift. And in fact, it was two years later at Christmas time, Adeline said, hey, I remember... I bought you a Canadian Monopoly a number of years ago. And she said, we never found that. <laughs> and, and it was another year or so later, and there we found it one day in her hiding spot. And, uh, and, and so, but, you know, it, actually, I'm, I'm going to be talking about spiritual gifts this morning, and, and that is a little bit telling, isn't it, about, about gifts. And, you know, for a gift to really mean something and have significance and, and, and to be enjoyed and used, uh, it has to be used. It has to be enjoyed. And uh, so we are, we're doing a series right now called Make Jesus Known, which is our new vision statement. And uh, we, we are, we've, we've set these four guiding statements in place. The elders have, have set them. And we've been using this analogy of kind of like marker flags on a, on a golf course in the hole. And when you're looking at it from down the fairway, you, know, you can see where the hole is. Your final objective is, is to get to that hole and, and, and to, uh, to get, get the, the ball into the cup. And so today, I'm going to be talking about the, the guide statement, the marker flag of gifts, of spiritual gifts. And, and this is the statement that we're going to be looking at today, and that our body is being empowered to discover clear understanding of their spiritual gifts and finding places to serve using their gifts. So just last week, uh, you completed a survey, and I want to thank those of you that participated in it. Uh, we had 165 people that, that completed the survey, and the survey was specifically about these four statements. And uh, it was, uh, I, I was very encouraged as I was reading it. The overall lean in the survey was that you're leaning into our vision. And, and so that was encouraging for, for us. And uh, the, uh, we're, we're at least on the right golf course. We're actually on the right fairway, I think, and we're pointed at the green. We haven't hit a hole in one yet, 
You know, we still have gifts. We've got gaps that we need to keep on filling. In some places, we are still right in the middle of the fairway, and, and we have work to do together. But really encouraging, like I said, is you are engaging in the vision, and, and, and on two of the questions, I know you had to give a comment in order to finish the survey, uh, but there were 165 comments, and, and, and you made some very good comments that were, were helpful. You made some critical comments that were also helpful uh, in, in helping us to determine, okay, where, what direction are we going to go? And so I just want to say this morning that when it comes to gifts, we are all uniquely gifted, and all of our gifts are needed. Now, there are four New Testament passages that describe spiritual gifts, and each one has a longer or shorter list of gifts. And I'm not going to teach through them, but I'm going to touch down on each one of them because they all have unique perspectives on how they describe the, the gifts given and how they are used. I'm going to use Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, kind of as my framework this morning, because I believe that the Apostle Paul's description of gifts in, in this text, it provides a really strategic perspective on the purpose and the function of spiritual gifts in the mission of the church as Jesus intended it to be. And, and so my, my, my first place that I want to start with Paul begins, he kind of sets up his readers uh, to the gifts that he's going to talk about, but he kind of sets it up by talking about the, the, the critical uh, mission and the critical nature, importance of unity. And he starts by this, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because there's one body, one Spirit. Excuse me. There is uh, one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so he begins by saying, I want you all to live up to the calling to which you've been called. And if you read through the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of the book, of the letter, it was Paul describing what we have been given and who we are in Christ. And, and, and so he, he says that our calling is a calling to the hope that we've been giving. Our calling is the glory of being Christ's inheritance. He is one day going to receive us in heaven. When we get there, we are his inheritance that he's going to receive. He talks about the power of Christ that's available to us, participation with Christ in his kingdom plan, his authority and his dominion. And every one of us is a part of Christ's living presence here on earth. We are his church. And then he, he says, I want you also to remember the attitude that we need to have. He says, attitude, be humble, be patient, be gentle, 
bearing with each other in love and put up with each other's differences. You know, I, I hope that we can all recognize and admit that we all bring baggage. We all bring wounds. We all bring failures and gaps. We have different ideas and different methods and different, different passions and interests. We are all very different from each other, but we're all family. Those of you that come from families, especially larger families, some very different kinds of personalities and interests in the one same family, and that's just like we are. We are, we're different, but we are family. We are the church. <clears throat> and he said, I want you to keep the unity and the peace of the Spirit. You know, every believer in Christ has received Jesus' gift of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, as Jesus was preparing his disciples for his crucifixion, then his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, he said, I am going to send one who will come after me, an encourager, the Holy Spirit. And then he went on to describe how the Holy Spirit would remind them and encourage them and teach them and, and, and keep them on his path. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter, right after the Holy Spirit had come to the church at the day of Pentecost and Peter's very first sermon, he walked the people through uh, their history as the nation that God had created and to the very point, and then he said, and you crucified Jesus, the Son of God. And their response was, what can we do? Like, it's done. What can we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And it works exactly the same way today. Everyone who repents and receives Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul, when he was writing to the church, said, we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You are not your own. When we come to church, when we are church, when we are serving, when we are doing what we're called to do, we're, we are not our own. We are part of Christ's body. And we are temples of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that Jesus sent to empower, encourage, challenge, teach, guide and then Paul says, make every effort. You know, Paul, Paul's known for a couple of things. He's known for run-on sentences that last, you know, about this long. But Paul's also known for being very emphatic about things. And this is one of those places, very intentionally emphatic. He says, look, there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. Do you get the common word <laughs> is one. So why does Paul make such a pitch for unity? Because the body has to work as one. And if we don't work as one, we don't work. I can't, I just can't overstress this. It's like if Jesus had left Emmanuel for his disciples and the title of the book is, you know, Salvation for the World. And, and they turned it over in chapter 1, plan A, the church. Oh, okay, table of contents, look over, see what, chapter 2. Oh, 
There is no chapter two. There is no plan B. There's only plan A, and Jesus, Jesus only created plan A, and that's us. We are his plan A. You know, we've faced some big challenges these last two and a half years. We've gone first through COVID and now through a year of transition and as we're awaiting our next steps with a new pastor and, and moving on into our next, our next years together. And I'm reminded this morning of Jesus' words uh, to the centurion from the text I was preaching out of the book of Mark, uh, whose daughter was on the brink of death, and he had begged Jesus, if you just come, you can heal her. And Jesus, Jesus got waylaid with healing another woman. And then he came back and he said to him, just keep on believing. Keep on believing. And I believe that that's a word for us today that Jesus is saying to us, I'm not finished with Grand Prairie Alliance Church. There's more. There's so much more. In the church health survey that we did a year ago, <clears throat> one of the questions in the survey was, which decade do you believe is the best decade for Grand Prairie Alliance Church? And the majority of the 360 people that responded said, the next 10 years. That was encouraging. That was encouraging, especially after a couple of tough years. Why is unity so important? It's because Jesus has far more to do in us and through us. He's not finished what he's planned for us. We are still his plan A. And then Paul goes on and he talks about Jesus giving gifts. And he writes, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the entire or the whole universe. So Jesus, by his grace, gifts us uniquely and each one of us to fit his unique purpose that he has chosen for us. And in these verses, Paul actually quotes from Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, but he gives a, a twist because in Psalm chapter 68, David is describing God as the victorious warriors who defeats all of Israel's enemies. And then he goes up into heaven and he leads captives in his train. And those who have been defeated give him gifts and tribute. But here, Paul gives it a twist from what his readers would have known to have been scripture, and he, and he says that Jesus, the victorious one, when he defeated Satan and destroyed his kingdom power and his hold over humanity, when he went to heaven, instead of receiving gifts from those of us who are here, he turned around and he gave gifts. You know, most Victorious human armies and leaders make demands when they have conquered. Following World War II, Japan and Germany were required to pay war reparation 
for the financial costs that they had cost the whole world. And Jesus, Jesus does exactly the opposite. After he paid for our sins by his death and resurrection, when he returned to heaven, he gave us gifts to use in his name and for his purposes. And so the, the four different texts where the, the lists of the gifts are given, they're kind of like a mosaic. I don't know if you've ever used a kaleidoscope, but you, it's a long tube, you put it up and you turn it, and there's some shiny colored glass things and beads and whatever in there. And as you turn it, it, it changes, and, and it, some of them are really, really beautiful. And, 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 uh, but each one, as they look at it, it, they see something a little bit different than the last time that somebody else looked at it. And so the four different texts are kind of like a kaleidoscope. This beautiful picture, this beautiful image of the church and of the gifts. And so Ephesians chapter 4, these are what we call the foundational gifts. Or uh, some people call them the five-fold gifts or the ascension gifts because they're gifts that Jesus gave to the church and, and they are in their very nature and their purpose and their function very foundational, very important to the life of any church that is going to be healthy. So as Peter, uh, Paul writes, So it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service. So the five gifts in this passage are people, but they actually represent functions or gifts. Alan Hirsch, who has done some of the most kind of the in-depth dive into studying these gifts, uh, he, he, uh, he says that they represent five key functions that are found in all healthy churches. And through our history as church, all the way from, from when Jesus left, you know, in, in 0 AD, you know, and, and all the way up to the present, we've gone through different times and different periods and, and where we've emphasized different things. And I know our denomination, as well as other evangelical denominations, uh, we, we, we had the vocabulary of gifts within our vocabulary because we believe the Bible. But in many times and at points along the way, we have not been functionally actually using some of these gifts. But I believe that every gift that was available and every gift that was described by Paul and by Peter and the gifts that Jesus gave, I believe that every one of those gifts is still an active gift available to the church today. And in fact, I rather believe, and you could challenge me on this, but I believe that the lists that we have of gifts in the, Holy, in, in, in the New Testament are descriptive of the creative work and the creative capacity of the Holy Spirit, but they're not restricted to the number because some people say, well, there are 18 gifts or there are 21 gifts or 25 gifts or 28 gifts. I believe that the Holy Spirit is endlessly creative and he's not restricted by lists or by our capacities. And so let's just, we're going to walk through these five together and then we're going to just kind of, like I said, we're going to land on each one of the other texts for just a minute or so. So first of all, it says that he gave some to be apostles. And apostles literally means sent out ones. And this is the missional pioneers 
function of the church. It's the capacity to extend Christianity as a healthy, integrative, innovative, and reproductive. I can't get that word out. Reproducing movement. Expanding into new cultures all across the world. And the ministry of apostles is also one of guardianship of the DNA of the Spirit of Christ of the church. And so some expressions of apostolic gifts might be missional leaders, movement starters, church planters, innovators, our cross-cultural missionaries, two couples, one that we've sent out and another couple that we're sending out, they would fit into this category of the gift of apostles, uh, networkers. Then is the gift of prophets. The prophet or the prophecy gift is the function or the, the task of maintaining an abiding loyalty and faithfulness to God above all. And so this gift is passionately concerned with living consistency in covenant relationship with God in justice and holiness and righteousness. And some descriptors of this gift at work might be intercessors or activists, problem solvers, prayer and deliverance ministers, campaigners. The third gift that we see here is he gave some to be evangelists. And the evangelist involves a proclamation of the good news that's at the very core of the church's message. Evangelists are often the storytellers. They are the recruiters to the cause. They're naturally infectious in many times. They are inviting people to enlist in what God is doing in and through the church. And so these people might be contagious messengers, recruiters, marketers, storytellers, apologists, salespeople, networkers. And the fourth gift is that of pastors or shepherds. The shepherding function is the function of calling and maintaining and developing healthy community and enriching relationships. And they maintain the health and the, they nurture spiritual maturity. They defend the community against division and breakdown. And they engender a loving community among the family of God. And so some of the People or some of the descriptors of this gift at work might be pastoral carers, spiritual directors, mentors, social workers, counselor healers. And then the fifth one is, is the gift of teachers. And teachers are concerned with the mediation, the teaching, the spreading, the appropriation of wisdom and understanding of, from God. And they might be in the form of instructors, of trainers, of teachers or pastors, theologians, writers, thinkers. I hope you're hearing as I'm walking through these that, you know, these gifts, while they're, they're kind of, these are foundational gifts, yet they can be expressed in many different ways and, and, and they can be expressed in many of our lives and our gifting. And so then we look at the role of the gifts. And Paul says, so that the body might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the purpose of these gifts is, is equipping and preparing the body to do the work that Jesus has taught, tasked us to do as a body. It's kind of like these are the coaches 
to get the team onto the field to play the game. And as the coaches, they prepare the team for the game that they're going to play. And there's a role of maturing, of helping us as a body to mature in our understanding of who we are, our understanding of God and his purposes, and our understanding of how we're gifted to work together. And finally, he says, attaining the full measure of Christ. And, and his, like it's becoming so filled with the life of Christ and his character and his nature and his purposes for all of us individually and together as his body that we are able to then fully represent him to our world. Paul, in a couple of his letters, in one place, he calls us as followers in his church ambassadors, representatives of Jesus. In another place, he, he describes us as living letters. We are living letters that Jesus has written to the world. I want to just take a couple of minutes just to talk about understanding function and calling because some of you might be thinking, well, I could never do one of those five because like, those like, look like the big five. And those must be for specialists. Again, we need to understand function and calling. Yes, these are important functions in the life of healthy churches. And some who are called or have these gifts are called into leadership roles in the church. But there are many ways in which Christ, which Jesus can call people to use these gifts. Like someone could have the gift of prophecy and be called to use it in full-time ministry or Jesus could call another person to use that gift in the marketplace as a mechanic. There are many of you that lead our life groups here at our church and many of you have the gift of pastoring and of teaching. Some of you serve on our prayer teams and on our prayer teams we have different gifts that are represented on our prayer teams in the people that pray every Sunday morning here. A number of years ago, we began kind of leaning in further into the, into the work of the Holy Spirit. And we started about five years ago with our first, it was called the Holy Spirit Encounter. We've gone on from there to, do, to begin doing Set Free and now Soul Care and, and we've, we've had now 200 people that have been through our soul care course. And in fact, soul care course is being taught right now in the Navy room. And uh, the soul care course and the set free course and a number of our other kind of leaning into the Holy Spirit, we have begun to see the Holy Spirit and Jesus giving new freedom. We have witnessed the Holy Spirit healing through the power of Jesus and it's exciting as we see that and so for the next nine weeks Charlie and Amy Hine are going to be using their gifts of shepherding and of teaching in facilitating that course and we're, we're expecting and we're praying that God is going to give more freedom, more healing more grace so I want to jump over to Romans chapter 12, and I'm just going to read a little bit of this text. But in this one, this perspective of gifts, Paul 
emphasizes the mutual benefit of the spiritual gifts. And, and that people are gifted differently, but each gift expressed uniquely through each person using their gift all belong together. And he writes this in chapter 12, 4 and 5. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. And in this text, he goes on to describe the gift of prophecy, of service, of teaching, encouraging, giving, of leadership and of mercy. And, he, and he's emphasizing we all have gifts. He says each one of us, each one of us, that doesn't mean some of us get gifts, that doesn't mean many of us get gifts, that means every one of us receive gifts from the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote to each one, the manifestation or the gifting of the Spirit is given for the common good. Then in 12, he says, he gives them to each one just as he determines. And then in verse 31, he says, but actively desire the greater gifts. So the Corinthian church that he was writing to, they had been discovering these incredible gifts that came from Jesus through the Spirit. And one of the gifts that was really radically different was the gift of speaking in tongues. And that's one gift that's pretty evident if it's being used publicly because it's either a heavenly language or a, a foreign language that someone would not naturally speak. And they were really enamored with it, and everyone wanted that gift. And, and Paul said, you know what? That's a good gift. But it's got its places, and sometimes you're getting out of, a little bit out of touch with how it's supposed to be used. He said, you know, I wish that... He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. I wish you all spoke in tongues. He said, but I actually want you to desire the greater gifts. And then he lists the, name, the, the gift of prophecy. Because prophecy is edifying to everybody, while gifts are edifying to the individual. And so, you know, what we, if we look at, you know, when do we receive gifts? Well, Many of us receive gifts at salvation because we all receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. Now, the Bible is not really you know, clear on exactly how and when and in what circumstances the gifts are given to us, but we do know, reading these texts, that all of us receive gifts. So I believe that many receive gifts at salvation, and they may not become aware of them immediately, and those gifts might have to be nurtured and matured to become really functional and highly effective. Or the Holy Spirit can give gifts as ministry needs arise in the, in the body. I also believe the Holy Spirit can give us new gifts when Jesus calls us into new ministries and new service for the church. We also can receive gifts as we seek them and as we ask for them just like we read in 1 Corinthians. And like I said earlier, I, I, I do believe that the gift lists 
in the New Testament are descriptions. They're not restrictions. I believe that the Holy Spirit will give the right gifts in the church to fill Jesus' purposes for that church. Whether we use them or not will determine whether we are going to be effective and functional for Jesus' tasks. <clears throat> then the third list of gifts is in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 31. And here Paul emphasizes that every gift and every believer using gifts is, is like a, a human body. And that every part of the human body is critically important to that body. He writes, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Every part, every gift, every person is absolutely necessary to be a full expression of Jesus in this world. You know, I'm so grateful this last year. We have had many pastors on the, and teachers on this stage preaching uh, and uh, during our transition. And, and I have said uh, a number of times before that, you know, I preach, but preaching is not my strongest gift. My strongest gift is in administration, things like organizing, budgeting, um, strategically planning for the direction of our, of our ministries and, and leading our staff. I'm, I'm gifted more in those functions than I, I, I'm, I do an adequate job of preaching, but others are far more gifted than I am in preaching because that's what God has designed them to do and for them to be at their best. My strongest gifts are being in the second chair of supporting a lead pastor. It's what I've done for almost 30 years. And, and, and that's where I believe that I can add the most to the church. And as you're listening to me, you might be thinking, well, where do I fit? Like, what's my thing? Uh, well, I, I don't know if I have that much to offer. No. You know what? We often undersell our gifts, and we often undersell ourselves, especially if we don't feel comfortable in something that we feel like God might be calling us, that Jesus might be calling us to do. And here we just have this affirmation. Every gift, every call obeyed is of equal value to Jesus. And the gifts that Paul describes here are, again, the gifts for uh, the three of the five first gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers. But then he goes on, miracles, healing, helping, administration, speaking in tongues. It's just a kaleidoscope of ways in which the Holy Spirit gifts us. And then lastly, in 1 Peter chapter 4, our gifts are mission critical. The mission of the church is critical. And Peter writes here, he says, the end of all things is near. I don't know if we're the last generation, but back then when Peter was writing, he thought that they were quite likely the last generation. And he said, the end of all things is near. And he said, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. Our mission is critical. God wants people from every nation, from every tongue, from every racial group, from every cultural group. He wants people from across the world in heaven. 
And he provides his capacities and his authority. Peter goes on, he says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If someone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God might be praised through Jesus Christ. And then he gives this statement. And this is a crucial statement. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, many of us are very familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've even given it a title, the love chapter. It's all about love, isn't it? Do you recognize that it follows right after chapter 12, which is about spiritual gifts? And chapter 13, the chapter about love, is really about the use of spiritual gifts, the appropriate use of our gifts. And Paul says, look, you could be the greatest evangelist. You could be the greatest singer. You could be the greatest preacher. You could be the, the, the greatest anything. But if you don't have love, it's nothing. It's not like, hey, if you add love to that man, you can push it, you can, you can push it from an 80 to 100. No, he said, you can have every gift in the world and you can use them with the wrong attitude. You can use them with the wrong heart. You can use them to draw attention to yourself. You can use them in all kinds of ways. But look, friends, he said, if you don't love each other and if you don't love the world, even if they don't love you, he said, if we don't have love, then all of our gifts have no eternal value. And so he says, above all, love each other deeply. And he talks about hospitality and speaking and serving. And so I want to just go back now to Ephesians to talk about what, so what's Paul's end game. Well, he writes this. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all, in all things, grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. And from him, the whole body, joined together and held together, but every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends, we become strong. We, we gain wisdom in understanding the currents around us. Instead of drifting off with the current, we can stand strong. We become aware, not only aware of of the things that are happening around us, but we become aware of how Christ has strategically placed us in his plan. And we become prepared. Not only just, not only recognizing the tactics of the enemy, but actually pushing back. Pushing back his control with the power of Christ. And so friends, we are all uniquely gifted and all of our gifts are needed. I want to just end with some practicalities because you might be wondering, okay, so, so where do I start? What do I do? Well, 
I think the first thing is discover your gifts. And I have used an acronym for many years. It's from a book called SHAPE. And the acronym is SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. The first one is spiritual gifts. So I've been referring to five different texts. So if you're wondering where do I start, we'll start with reading scripture and looking at those, at those gifts and those descriptions. And there are lots of books that you can look at and you could actually take a test. And in fact, uh, about a month and a, two months ago, uh, my staff, a number of my staff, we put together a wall in the back in our atrium, and it's called our serve wall. And on there, you're, you will, if you want to go and look at it, there are uh, opportunities to serve. There's information about different ministries, and there's also a spiritual gifts test. And you, can, you could take that test, or you can do it online. We have it on our website, uh, on our uh, gpalliance.ca. And you can, uh, you can go on and take that test. H is for our heart. You know, what are the things that you are already passionate about? Because God often will take our passions and align them and equip us with gifts that that will also follow the passions that we have. And A is for our abilities. And so God doesn't always use our natural abilities. Sometimes he actually does, he gives us gifts that are exactly opposite to our natural abilities so that we'll recognize that, well, that's something supernatural because it's not coming from me. Uh, But sometimes he aligns our natural abilities with his supernatural abilities. And he uses our personality. We're all wired very uniquely and very differently. And our personality can be a way that kind of becomes like the the grid through which gifts can shine through. And he can use our experiences as well. God does not waste anything, the good or the bad. And and I know of many people who have stepped into into a ministry uh, of counseling because their life experiences, they've gone through some really, really difficult things and, and difficult circumstances and they've learned some incredible things. And so our, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, our experiences. So that can be kind of the grid that you use. And then secondly is equip yourself. You know, uh, Pastor West just completed a life group training course. And he usually has a couple of those during the year. Our, our prayer ministry just finished their first uh, prayer, uh, prayer team training. Um, Kendra Davis is our coordinator but she's also going to be leading a deliverance prayer ministry training uh, at the end of the month of October and so you can come and check in with us at the church because we want to try to equip you and help you and set you up to use your gifts and then fourthly is to commit to serve commit to serve your gifts are important but using them is vital for our church So I want to just close today by asking you a question. Really simple question. What if? What if? What if every one of us who don't yet know how the Holy Spirit has gifted us would say, I'm going to find out. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to test. I'm going to try until I discover my gifting. And the second question, what if? What if we decided I am going to find out where I am to serve? I am prepared to step out of my comfort zone, to risk, to pray, to commit. I'm prepared to serve.
So that's my question for you today. I want to leave it with you. What if? What if we all knew our gifts? What if all of us were applying our gifts exactly where Jesus wants us to be using them? What if? I'll leave you with that.